Hey guys, welcome to Miller Christian Church Online Messages. If you'd like to be able to view these messages online, you could head over to YouTube and search Miller Christian Church. There you should be able to find them. If not, we got our webpage at millerchristianchurch.org. Thanks for stopping by, guys, and we hope you enjoy. favor and stand up. Okay, thank you. Sit down. I think we need woken up. I just thought, you know, man, maybe if we stand, that would help. How do you treat a stabbing pain in your right eye every time you have a cup of coffee? That was kind of lame. <laughs> you give up? Now, Tiffany's trying to give you folks a chance here. Come on. You take the spoon out of the cup. Are you so tired you can't groan like you usually do? <laughs> oh, well. Last week you got it right off the bat, didn't you? Anyway, uh, this week, you know, turn in Revelation, if you will. And we've been nosing uh, through the churches lately. We've been in different places in Revelation, and then lately in the, in the churches. And then we're coming on Easter season now, so we'll probably take a break for a bit. But Revelation chapter 2. Chapter 2. And uh, next week is April. You guys okay today? Did you hear about the... It's income tax time now, you know. Did you hear about the new simplified tax return from the IRS? You know, it only has four lines. The first one says, what was your income last year? The next one says, what was your expenses? And the third one says, how much do you have left? And the last line says, send it in. <laughs> um, one more tax joke, just to see if you're... A businessman who was near death asked that his remains be cremated and the ashes be mailed to the Internal Revenue Service with the following note attached. Now you have it all. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, last week we looked at the Church of Sardis, what the Lord had to say there. There are seven churches. Um, and this is this would be number five, I think, that we look at Church of Thyatira, and uh, I, I I love this church. I mean, they had a terrible thing going wrong in the church, but they had a lot of things right. In fact, I've never seen in all the churches such a commendation. And uh, so, if you're taking notes, the city of Thyatira, verse eighteen of chapter two. And under the angel of the church of Thyatira, write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like a flame of fire, 
and his feet are like fine bronze. I don't know if you remember chapter one in that that vision that of the of the uh, glorified Christ. Wow. And uh, we'll talk about this in a minute. Thyatira, I just want to mention, it's a city that was famous for its purple dye. And, and this is the truth. It would cost three years worth of wages just to buy a jug of that purple dye. And that's what history tells us about Thyatira. You want to know a little bit more, you can look at Acts, I think it's 16 or something, where... Uh, Lydia is mentioned. Remember Lydia? Acts chapter 16. And anyway, she, she sold cloth that was dipped in this very expensive purple dye. And Lydia occupies a place in the book of Acts as a, a wonderful lady who loved the Lord. Anyhow, the town's religion back then was the worship of Apollo. And you know who that was. That was the sun god. And so they were very pagan anyway. Into there came the gospel. People got saved. The church was established. And boy, oh boy, did they have some wonderful commendation. So if you're taking notes, uh, verse 18 is the reiteration of Christ's deity. The reiteration of Christ's deity. And he had his eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine bronze. Verse 19 is just exceptional. I know your works, Jesus said, in love and service and faith and your patience. And then something that's very different. And your works. Didn't he already say that? And the last to be more than the first. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I start a project and the going gets a little rough and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I'm interested in something else. You know, I don't want to finish. Sometimes I do want to finish. And you kind of fizzle out. But here's the first one, if you're taking your notes. I know your works. This was a church that did something because of the next one. And I know your love. I know your love. Remember what the church in Ephesians lacked? Or Ephesus? They lacked love. They had everything else? Fine, but they lacked love. Not this church. He says, and service. Now, what's the difference between works and service? Works can be collective as a church or it can be individual. Same with service. The service has a definite outreach type of thing. So they were doing something if you're taking notes. Oh, I didn't finish the love. Do you see the three little blanks? You still with me or are you still mad at me for that corny joke? And we talked about their love. I believe, as I've studied this church, that that love was real. They sang, they said it, they sang it, and they lived it. That's why this church was a going concern. 
This church has the longest letter of any of the seven. Because there was one thing, just one thing seriously wrong that really upset the apple cart. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but wow. And so their service, they were doing something. Faith. I know your faith, Jesus said. They honored God by trusting him. Do you? Do I? And I believe every time I don't trust him for something, it brings dishonor upon him. We're telling him he's not doing a good job with us. And not, not this church. Faith. They honored God. They believed him. And your patience. This could be translated endurance. This could be translated endurance. So, but this is amazing to me. And your works again. I know your works again. They were working harder now than at the first. So I think this, is, this church should be commended uh, for that. And it's a challenge to you and I, isn't it, to have something like this written about us? Your works and love and service and faith and patience. No fizzling out for them. So I look at this church, and if I would stop right there, I would say, that's what I want my church to be. But we have to go on. Look at verse 20. Notwithstanding, Jesus said, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who called herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Now that's the only thing in this whole church. I mean, the rest has very important instructions on what to do, what's coming, and who Jesus is again, and the challenge to be faithful, all of that. But this one verse, verse 20, it was a serious condemnation. Now I'm going to talk about what she was teaching here in a minute, but they were allowing a false teacher in their midst. Now, there are several reasons to believe some of this is symbolism. Jezebel, was that her real name? I don't know. Might have been. You know who Jezebel was, don't you? <laughs> she was a very wicked person. You know, how many people name your daughters Jezebel? You kind of has a connotation, doesn't it? Of course, I should be careful what I say, huh, honey? <laughs> I was preaching <clears throat> in the book of Judges one time, and, uh, you know, about Samson. And uh, his girlfriend was who? Delilah. And uh, we had a new couple there that had been there just a few weeks, and and I, and I said, you know, some names just bring a terrible condemn, uh, condemnation with them. Who would, 
who would name your daughter Delilah? And uh, then after church, she said, we did. <laughs> we named our daughter Delilah. And you know, they don't make holes big enough for preachers to get into. You know? <laughs> I was looking for a trap door or the second coming, the rapture, anything that would help. And they never got offended. They became very, very good people in the church, active and just wonderful people. But you'd think I'd learn my lesson. <laughs> I just said something about Jezebel. I hope you don't have a daughter named Jezebel. But anyway. So, kind of Kind of dumb, wasn't it? I guess a better word would be stupid. Uh, a motorist had a flat tire in front of the insane asylum. He took the wheel off, and the nuts that held the wheel rolled down the gutter, the sewer. So an inmate was looking through the fence. He suggested that the man take one nut from each of the remaining three wheels to hold, you know, the fourth wheel in place until they could get to a service station. The motorist thanked him profusely and said, I don't know why you're in that place, the insane asylum. And the inmate said, I'm here for being crazy, not for being stupid. <laughs> Sometimes I feel stupid. But anyway, let's look at this just a little bit. Now, if you're taking your notes, verse 20 through 23, this was a compromise that God will not tolerate. Why? It was doing these things. It was poisoning the church, church's people, and their testimony. And they had all this good stuff, but and I think, now this is a I don't know this for sure, but I think they had such powerful love and works and service and faith and all and patience. They just didn't want to confront this false teacher because they had so much love and they just, you know, they blew it. Because love without discernment is what? A little confusion. Yeah. Anyway, so God said you allowed her to teach. She was a false teacher. She was not teaching the truth. And uh, what she was teaching has been up for debate for a long time. Uh, some people see symbolism here that she was teaching spiritual adultery, which is actually some something or someone that takes the place of your life in your life instead of Christ. And, you know, that could be. Uh, some actually take it in a literal sense that there were sexual sins going on here. And uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that with a, such a church with a condemnation, but uh, that was the problem. That was a problem. Now, Jezebel, uh, we'll get to Jezebel here in a minute. Look at verse 21. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Now, here's a principle 
you must never forget, and that is God gives time, but time runs out if you're taking your notes. And I used to teach 140, excuse me, 114 young people every day in a large Christian school in Michigan while I was pastoring a country church. And this is something that I wanted them always to remember, that God gives time, but time runs out. How much time did God give this woman, Jezebel, to repent? I don't know. How much time would God give you if you're not saved? We can't count on any. The Bible says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day bring forth. How much time do your friends and relatives who are unsafe, how much time do they have? We don't know. The space that God gives is not the same for everyone. And he says, I gave her space. So there was a time period. Like I say in verse 20, 21 down there, God is patient. He even loved her and gave her space to repent. But God gives time and time runs out. Now, I guess if you remember anything, remember that. When you pray for your loved ones and pray for your friends and your neighbors who are unsafe, keep in mind that someday the clock stops. And I believe this applies to Christians too, that if there is something in our life that is that should not be there, God gives time. And if we don't take care of it, He'll bring discipline into our life and the time will run out for us to do anything about it. You can read about that in several of the New Testament books. God is a patient God, but there are times that the, the, the truth is that time runs out. Jezebel, turn to 1 Kings 21. <clears throat> I'll show you something about Jezebel. She married a guy named Ahab. Anybody remember that song? Ahab, the Arab. Chief of the Burning Sun. Nobody remember that song? You're not as old as me and Doc, are you? <laughs> I think Ray Stevens made that song. I don't know. But Ahab was her husband. And he was the most wicked king that Israel ever had. First Kings 1. Ah, 1. Did I say 1? 21. Verse 25, here's the Bible's commentary on it all. But there was none like unto Ahab who did sell himself <coughs> to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. But it doesn't stop there. What's the rest of the verse? Whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. They made quite a team, didn't they? It was clear that Ahab mostly was led by this wicked woman called Jezebel. Now, she was probably the most, or 
evil characters in the Bible, if you're taking your notes, sir. Evil is the word. Now, okay, we've got that established. A great church, a great commendation, something seriously wrong because they allowed. They allowed it. They knew that it was not right. That's what the word allowed means. Anyway, verse 20, 22, Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and will give unto every one of you according to your works. I do not know the exact interpretation of that verse. All I know is it's serious. God took it serious. He told the church that he loved, that had all this wonderful thing. He said, this is a serious thing. And so what happened? The teaching strayed then from the Word of God instead of standing on the promises, which we will sing here in a little bit, if you don't get up and leave. Anyway, standing on the promises. Instead of preaching and teaching the Word, they strayed to allow someone who may have been an exciting teacher who was way off base. So I don't know exactly, but it's serious. Verse 24. I don't know if you've figured this out the last year and a half, but unless I know of something, I'm not going to put my feet in concrete. I'll just admit it. But it's bad anyway. Verse 24. But unto you... I say, this was the majority of the people who loved the Lord, who had this wonderful commendation unto you. The rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon no other burden. Verse 25, but that which you have already, hold fast till I come. There were some mighty good things in this church. Hang on to those. Hang on to those till I come. And he is coming. Amen? Amen. He is coming. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron and the vessels of the potter. They shall be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. I want to back up to verse 25. Hold fast till I come. You've heard of Winston Churchill, haven't you? He was a great leader of England in World War II. After Chamberlain stepped off the scene, Chamberlain was kind of a compromiser. Winston Churchill was not. Anyway, after his fame, he got famous and World War II was over. He was asked to speak at a college, give the commencement address. And so he accepted and when it was his turn, he uh, he got up to the podium and he looked at the graduating class of that college and he said, never give up. He said it again. 
never give up. Then he said, never, ever give up. Never, never. And then he shouted, never. And he sat down. That was it. Do you think they ever forgot that? See, Winston Churchill said, I'll fight in the beaches, we will fight in the fields, we will fight in the sea, we will never surrender. That's what made him famous. That gave the England the backbone to resist the Nazis. If you're a student of World War II, you know the story. And here, here the Lord says, what that which you have already hold fast. Stand on the word of God, the promises. Stand on the word. So, the last part of your note says, encouragement for the faithful, hold fast till Jesus Christ's return. Stay true to the word of God. Did I go too fast there? Encouragement for the faithful, hold fast till Jesus Christ returns. Stay true to the word of God. Now here's something for Miller Church, for your life, for my life. It's found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. Write it down. It's not in your notes. The preacher blew it. Philippians chapter 1. Oh, what a wonderful fellowship this Philippian church was. When Paul said, I'm going to pray for you, I pray for you always. Well, how did he start that? In verse 9 tells us, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in two ways, in knowledge and discernment. You're not going to have knowledge if you stray from the Scriptures. You need the Word. And discernment or judgment, knowing what is true and what is false. So love is the greatest thing. But if you don't have love with discernment, you're going to have, how do you say naive? Naivety? You're going to be naive. How do you say that in terms of a noun? You're going to be naivety. You don't know either, do you? I know we have teachers in this in this uh, church. Come on, teachers. Why is she hiding behind the pew? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> is it naivety? Naivety? Naivety. Well, thank you. You know, it's been a long time since this old boy's been in college. <laughs> so, love with discernment. Write it down. That's what we need. That's what you need as a church to continue in. And if somebody starts straying off the Word of God into things that would be classified as false teaching, don't just because you want love to abound, don't just stand there and look, you do something about it, confront it. This is a serious thing. Compromise, compromise is something that God will not tolerate. You know that a compromiser's favorite color, I told you this before, didn't I? A compromiser's favorite color? Didn't I tell you that? It's plaid. He doesn't say yes. He doesn't say no. He takes no stand. There's no such word as a yes or a no. It's a yo. 
kind of the mixture, you know. And, you know, I might remind you that riding the fence may be popular, but it's not comfortable. And the Lord expects us to stay true to the scriptures, stay true to the meaning and purpose of the church, and then let the love abound with knowledge and discernment. Yep, they had works, they had love, they had service, they had faith, they had patience. Their works were even better than at the first. But they had this compromise. So may we learn. God did give her space to repent. The sad thing is, the Bible says she didn't repent. And uh, so she repented not. So what happened after that, I don't know. All I know is God loved her enough to give her time. But apparently, time ran out. Let's stand and sing. Standing on the promises.